Um, and I think that's all the announcements that we have right now. So why don't we pray and we'll get into the word tonight. So Father, we thank you uh, for this day. We thank you for the spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. Father, we thank you that he speaks to us. He grants unto us revelation, insight, and wisdom into your word and also your plan for our lives. And we depend upon him, Father. We thank you for him. And Father, we give you the praise and the honor for all of those things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about intercession, and um, <clears throat> I think probably outside the Lord Jesus, the, the greatest intercessor that I've seen in the Word of God it has uh, been Moses, because uh, he interceded on behalf of the nation of Israel many times. Uh, and we're looking at a couple of cases here. Uh, so let's open up our Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 16. We'll continue there. And if you remember the story, there was this uh, fellow by the name of Korah. And, you know, so, so out of a million or so uh, Israelites that came out of uh, Egypt, uh, how many Korahs were there? Well, there's just this one, right? Uh, and yet he caused a lot of grief and despair in the nation of Israel. Uh, and, you know, sometimes in churches, uh, I know one of the things that I observe with my pastor that, you know, I've really tried to learn from is there were a lot of people that came against uh, our pastor over the years, tried to overthrow the church, tried to, you know, take over, tried to subvert his leadership, uh, and just, you know, that's evil intent. Just leave, go somewhere else, right? I mean, why do you have to ruin something that somebody else has got? Just go somewhere else, right? Um, but there's always, a, there, there's always a Korah, not always a Korah, but sometimes there's a Korah in a church. But if you're not careful in leadership, all you'll think about are the Korahs. And all you'll think about is what, what they've done to me, what are they trying to, to overthrow my, my church. And, uh, and it's, it's, uh, there's a great temptation in all of church leadership to get bitter towards the Korahs and be suspicious of everybody else that they are Korahs. And, you know, my pastor had, um, in fact, for, for uh, an entire season, he'd get up nearly every service and said, Every person that walks through that door is going to stab me in the back. Uh, and he says, that's that. Uh, and I believe that that way, when it does happen, my feelings aren't hurt. But his feelings were always hurt when it happened. And uh, and he did that many times. And finally, I went and talked to him. I said, Pastor, why, why do you keep saying that? I said, I have no intent to stab you in the back. I have no intent to do that. And um, but because he said everybody, right? He didn't say. You know, some people have done that, you know, and that's which, which have been true. But he said, everybody, well, I'm part of everybody. And I wasn't. In, in fact, I never did that. You know, in the 20 years I was with him, I never stabbed him in the back. Um, and because if I say everybody that walks in the door is going to stab me in the back, that violates the principles of First Corinthians 13, which is, you know, the, the love chapter, which says uh, love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Uh, and so. You should believe that every person that walks in the door thinks you're the greatest minister there ever existed on the earth. That would be thinking the best of that person, wouldn't it? Now, if they turn out to be a Korah, well, that's on them, not on you, right? Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's an area that I learned from my pastor about being careful not to go down that road of harboring ill will and bitterness towards the Korahs of the church because uh, every now and then a Korah will come through. Every now and then there will be a Korah who tries to overthrow a church. Uh, and... You know, fortunately, we live in the New Testament, so things are slightly different. But one of the things that we need to observe is uh, even though the amount of 
uh, judgment and the, the, the swiftness of the judgment is different in the New Testament, that doesn't mean that the Lord is less pleased with Korah's in the New Testament than he was Korah's uh, in, in the Old Testament. In other words, you know, if, if he didn't like what Korah was doing in the Old Testament, he doesn't like it more when they do that in the New Testament, right? When they usurp authority and try to subvert the structure of authority that he set up in the church. Uh, in fact, I remember years ago, somebody came to me and said, you know, what Pastor Vaughn is, is doing to you all is wrong. You need to stand up in the service and rebuke him. And I thought, yeah, right, right. I'm going to get right on that right there, right? Uh, because uh, it's my job to usurp authority because if he's behind the pulpit, he's the authority in that moment, right? And for me to stand up and interrupt the service, that means I'm usurping or taking authority from the pastor that doesn't belong to me. And that there's no more evil intent than, than I mean, that's exactly what Korah did, right? He tried to take authority that didn't belong to him. And um, the way I see it, the Lord will take care of him just fine. Now, you know, that being said, I have no problem. If, if you really have a hard time with, hey, Pastor, you know, the lady shouldn't play bingo at all, you know, then, you know, come talk to me, right? Now, I'll probably laugh at you, you know, when you, uh, because it's absurd. But, but there are people who really have a hard time with things like that. Uh, but... You know, a lot of those people need to grow up because it's just it's just a game, right? There's nothing spiritual or unspiritual about it. It's just entertainment that the ladies are having fun. Uh, but, you know, somebody is mad about that somewhere, right? If this video went out to a million people, somebody's going to get mad about that. Well, I can't believe you do that, you know. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so there's always going to be people like that that you've got to help and, and talk to them. But, you know, if you have a problem with the ministry, you should come and talk to the leadership of the ministries. You know, in, in this case, you should come talk to me and just let me know what your concerns are, you know, and if it's something that I think is reasonable. But, you know, I've had people come tell me we shouldn't do Easter egg hunts, you know. Well, we're still going to do Easter egg hunts. I've had people come and tell me we shouldn't celebrate Christmas, you know. We've had Christmas trees here. And they, you shouldn't have a Christmas tree in your church, you know, and whatever, you know. I mean, you know, there's so much childishness in the church that... You know, you can't yield to everybody because if you did, you'd literally do nothing. You'd have to get rid of chairs. You know, chairs are too comfortable. Got to get rid of, you know, it's got to be, you know, you got to be uncomfortable when you're at church, right? Uh, you know, somebody thinks that, I'm sure, right? You can't have steeples. And I'm thinking about building a steeple just to make a few devils mad, you know. Uh, just silly things, right, that just don't amount to anything. I mean, you know, you're going to get mad because of a, of a chocolate egg, and yet you gossip about your brother or sister in the Lord. The Lord's way more concerned about you gossiping about your brother or sister in the Lord than he is about whether you eat an Easter egg hunt. There's so many things that we do that are wrong that are way more uh, uh, of, a, of a missing the mark with the Lord and it's sin than whether or not you eat an Easter egg hunt or decorate a Christmas tree in the corner of the church. Uh, and yet people don't see that. They, they, they like things that can be measured in the natural realm because that's what carnal Christians are. They want to see something in the natural realm uh, that they can point to and say, you know, that's wrong because I'm more spiritual than everybody else. And they don't want to look on the inside of them to see all the bitterness and, and unforgiveness that they've got uh, uh, and the superiority complex that they've got on the inside of them. They don't ever want to look at those things. Uh, and so, you know, but as a pastor, my heart still goes out to them. I desire to help them. I, well, let me try to help you. In fact, the last person that came to my office with a looky here conversation, you know, I actually said, I said, let me try to help you. I said, more than likely, I'm probably not going to be able to help you, but I'm going to try right here and help you. Because they, they were in there bossing me around, telling me how I, everything, the way I run the entire ministry is wrong. And um, 
you know, I try to, I said, well, well, you know, tell me why. Give me some more information. Um, and in, in particular, they said that, uh, among many other things, they said, I, I mentioned Kenneth E. Hagin's name too much. Uh, and do you all think I worship Brother Hagin? Nobody, no, no normal person thinks I worship Brother Hagin, of course. Uh, but you worship him, right? I said, okay. What about Lester Summerall? I mention him every now and then. Is it okay to mention him? Oh, yeah, yeah. What about uh, T.L. Osborne? I mention him every now and then. John Wesley, I mention him, right? Uh, I mean, every now and then. Um, uh, John Osteen, you know, even Joel, right? I mentioned Joel Osteen every now and then. Uh, Kenneth Copeland, I know I mentioned his name every now and then. Uh, are all those names okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but not Brother Hagen, no. You mentioned it too, too much. I said, okay, um, well, then what's the number? So I, I said, I, so I can't ever mention his name again? No, it's okay if you mention his name some. As soon as he said that, I knew I had him because legalistic people can't handle grace, right? So I said, so I can mention his name but not too much. So, well, tell me what the number is. What about once in a service? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, how about twice? Well, I guess, you know. And I just, you know, I just kept nailing them to the wall, right? Well, how about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? I think we got the 15. He goes, no, it's too much. I said, well, where you got book, chapter, and verse for 15? What is four, 14's okay, but 15's wrong. You got book, chapter, and verse for that? No. Well, then where'd you come up with that? I mean, it's just a number, right? So somehow 14 times is okay, which I don't guess I probably ever mentioned his name 14 times in any service, but, you know, 14 times is okay, but 15 times is wrong. Well, who made you the God of the, the, the name count? All right? I mean, are you the God of the name count? Did God give you that position that, you know, there's a pro- apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and name counter? I mean, is that one of the fivefold ministry gifts? I don't know, you know. And so... Now, I was really patient with them, but I also don't have a problem with, with trying to show them how absurd what they're saying and doing is because they need to see that. And I don't do that to hurt their feelings. I do it to try to show them how absurd what they're saying is because so many people get in their mind about things and in their mind, it's a huge deal. I mean, in their mind, me mentioning Brother Hagen was such a huge deal. But really, you know, the, the sad part, the saddest part of all of that was it wasn't him. He was a puppet. He, he was getting his information from somebody else. And he was, getting, he was getting stoked by somebody else because he kept saying things. I said, you know, that sounds like so-and-so. And he'd say something else. I said, you know, that sounds just like so-and-so again. So they knew that I knew they were gossiping about me, right? So gossiping about your pastor is okay? But mentioning Brother Hagin's name is wrong? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So... You know, the Lord is way more concerned about you gossiping about somebody who's innocent. I mean, I don't have any desires to, to hurt anybody or to harm anybody or to build up, you know, my own personal kingdom. You know, all I want to do is help people. And whether you think I can help people or not, you know, it's up to you to decide that. But I got no ulterior motives being behind the pulpit. I'm not trying to show how wonderful I am because I already know how wonderful I am, you know, so I don't need to prove anything. I'm a child of God. How more wonderful can I be than that, right? Uh, and so... <clears throat> So, uh, but the whole, I, was, I was trying to help them. Now, I wasn't able to help them. And, and, it's, and usually you can't help people like that. Uh, Moses was unable to help Korah. Moses, right? The man who was a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus was unable to help Korah. The Lord Jesus was unable to help the rich young ruler. There are people who are un, unable to be helped by the Lord God himself. And only they and they themselves can do something that would allow the Lord to help them. Uh, and so sometimes they can be recovered. 
It's really difficult, though, to, to, to help a Korah. Because, uh, you know, once they get to that point that they've got a reputation, then they, they'll stay with that reputation till death. I mean, if that's what it takes, they'll stay that way. And, and, and so Korah, if you remember, was one of the princes and leaders of, of Israel. Uh, and, he, and he accused Moses of, you're taking too much upon yourself. You think you're all that, you know. Now, did Moses appoint himself to be over the children of Israel? No, who, who appointed him to do that? The Lord God did, right? Uh, and yet people still have a hard time with that. That's why when they said I should do that with pa- my pastor, Pastor Vaughn, I'm thinking, well, the Lord appointed him to that role. Whether he's right or wrong in that role, that's none of my business, but the Lord appointed him to that role, and you know, everybody would agree that he was, you know, whether he was right in that moment or not, that the Lord appointed him to that role. So for me to usurp authority over him and to step over him would be... Is, tantamount to what Korah is doing, right? Uh, and, you know, I've read the Bible plenty of times that, well, I don't want to be Korah. You know, I want to find people I want to be like. So I don't want to be like a Korah, so whatever he's doing, make note to self. Don't do this. Well, you know, then you're just going to let anybody get away with everything. As if God's not uh, capable of, of, of uh, dealing with situations. I think, don't you think he's perfectly capable? I think he's perfectly capable, right? Many people ha- have done things wrong in the pulpit and died in the pulpit because they refused to repent. And the Lord took care of that, right? Uh, now, he didn't kill them, but he did take his hand off of them and let the devil do whatever he wanted to in those situations. And so, uh, fortunately, we live in the New Testament. So, so the situation now is Korah is here. <clears throat> and so, uh, Moses said, gather, gather uh, uh, everybody up here. Uh, and and um, let's start in verse 15 of Numbers chapter 16. I think we, we read a little bit of this last week, but I think it's good just to catch back up here. And it said, Moses was very angry. Now, he was angry because he had asked for a couple of the priests to come and talk to him. You know, it's, it's, it's helpful to come to talk to somebody, right? It's helpful when the leadership says, hey, let's talk about this. You know, you should be willing to talk about it. I can't tell you how many people that have gotten crossways with the ministry. I said, let's go talk about it. No, I want to talk about it. Why don't you want to talk about it? I just want, you know, you're just wrong. Well, can't we talk about it? No. Okay. You know, I mean, got to move on, right? Always moving forward. But uh, some people don't want to talk about it. Uh, and uh, Dathan and, and Abiram didn't want to talk about it. So Moses, you know, he got, and Moses rarely ever got angry. This is one of the few times, it may be the only time that, well, when he, remember when he struck the rock uh, the second time? That was one time he got angry too. So, but he really wasn't a hothead, but we do have a couple of, of scenarios where he was angry and he was wroth and said unto the Lord, Respect not thou their offering. That's tough. I have never seen Moses uh, come out against somebody like this, you know. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. Uh, see, so they were accusing him of all, all things and, and he was just, now he didn't defend himself to the people, but he's just reminding the Lord, you know, I've not done any of these things. Of course, the Lord knew it, but... You know, sometimes you just want to make sure the Lord does know it. Uh, and Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all the company before the Lord thou, and they and Aaron tomorrow. And every man take his censer and put incense in them, and bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, two hundred and fifty censers. Thou also and Aaron and each of you his censer. Uh, so the censer was where they put the, the incense in, which they burned, you know, to, for the, uh, the, the perfume and the aroma for the Lord. Uh, and so they took every man his censer and put fire in them and laid incense thereon and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all of the congregation against them unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. 
and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. Now, you know, to me, these are good things to learn in leadership that Moses was not going to defend himself, but he was going to allow the Lord to defend himself. And Korah, you know, people, so people are following Korah. Uh, and I remember when I was with my pastor, you know, uh, and, and, you know, the church was about 150, 200 people or so different times. Uh, and any time you get a, a group of people like that, somebody's always trying to subvert the leadership, right? There's always, there's always uh, these, these um, uh, coups trying to go on. And I remember uh, there was one fellow in particular he was always trying to gather people to follow him in the church. And I'm always suspicious of people. When I was with my pastor, I was, I was always suspicious of people who are trying to establish their own thing under the pastor, but not for the pastor. And so I'd ask, well, you know, hey, we're having this Bible study. Well, does the pastor know about it? No, it's just, it's just for a select few. And, and so they say that to stroke your ego. Oh, I'm one of the chosen. I must be really important. But the pastor doesn't know about that. Why are you doing that? Because isn't he the shepherd of the sheep? Why is the sheep doing their own thing over there separate from the shepherd, right? Um, you know, one of the things over the years, my pastor uh, would ask me to talk to people and counsel with them, you know, sometimes with finances and sometimes with marriage and different things. Uh, and the very first thing I would say in the conversation is, Number one, assume that everything that we talk about here, the pastor knows, because nothing is going to be hidden from him. He's the pastor of the church. I'm not. I'm here on his behalf, but he's the pastor of the church, and I will not, uh, you know, I'm not going to have a following. This is just us. This is just between us, right? We don't have to have the pastor involved. This is between us. Anytime somebody does that, you should run. Uh, in fact, you should say, well, let's go talk to the pastor about that, right? Because they're a Korah, right? They're, they're trying to build a following from themselves. Now, it'll happen. It'll happen here. It's ha it has happened here. Um, uh, and so, uh, and it'll probably happen again. But I'm not looking for it to happen. I'm not desiring for it to happen. I'm not suspicious that it's going to happen. But just from a, from a practical standpoint, it, it uh, will happen on occasion, right? Uh, and so, Korah gathered all the congregation against them. Against them, right? So, why are you against? Well, what did Moses ever do? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but they were jealous of his position, right? They were jealous that he le led this nation of Israel. They wanted, the, they wanted the role. They wanted to be able to see the glory of God. And they wanted to be seen as the great leader of the nation of Israel. And they, they wanted his position. Uh, uh, but they were unwilling to, you know, Moses got his position because uh, that time that he was in the wilderness, he spent time with the Lord. Uh, in that, that time that he, he got to know the Lord in those 40 years, Jethro was his father-in-law. He was a priest of Midian. Uh, no doubt uh, they had long conversations about the Lord. And, and um, uh, I imagine he spent a lot of time talking to the Lord during those, those uh, many years he was in the wilderness. Uh, and so uh, it says in verse 20, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron. Now Korah's there, Mr. Big, Big Shot Korah, right? Did the Lord speak to him? He didn't speak to him. He spoke to Moses, right? Spoke to Moses. Uh, and said, separate yourself from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Uh, and so Moses being Moses, he stepped aside and let, let the Lord destroy them all. Is that what he did? No. He, he said he fell in verse 22. He fell upon their faces. Moses and Aaron fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and will thou be wroth with all the congregation? In other words, 
Uh, what were Moses and Aaron doing? They were interceding on behalf of the nation of Israel because the Lord said, I'm going to destroy them all. You just step away, I'll destroy them all. And Moses said, there's only one guy who's sinning. Now, everybody else is guilty by association, right? All the 250 princes, right? They started it. But Korah is the leader. And all these other princes are going, yeah, if you get in charge, then we'll have an even bigger stake in the, in the ministry. Uh, and um, you don't think this is still going on today? It's still going on today, right? In many churches around the world. That's why a lot of churches, they're so dysfunctional because uh, especially if they're congregational ruled and not by the pastor because uh, the highest authority in any local church should be the local pastor. It shouldn't be the elder board or deacon board or any other boards. It should be the pastor should be the highest authority. Uh, but when the pastor doesn't have the authority to deal with Korah, then, then uh, all the elder boards are going to appease Korah. Well, you know, just you know, try not to make too big of a deal about things, right? Uh, and so, uh, but in this case, Moses being Moses, he interceded on behalf of the nation of Israel. Lord, you can't destroy everybody because one man is sinning. Uh, and so the Lord was just willing to take his hand off the whole nation of Israel and let, let the death angels come and just wipe them all out. Uh, and so the Lord said in verse uh, 23, the Lord spake unto Moses again, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram. Now remember, Dathan and Abiram were the two priests that Moses had asked to come and speak to him personally to try to get this thing resolved, and they didn't want to do it. So although Moses was successful in interceding for the nation of Israel, there were three people that the Lord was unwilling uh, to extend mercy on their behalf because, remember, the primary goal or one primary goal of intercession is to advance the cause of mercy for somebody's life. So they were able to, and mercy by its very nature is sovereign, right? So the Lord can choose to do it. He can choose not to do it. That's the, the whole, it has to be that way because of the very definition of mercy. Mercy is for the guilty. Uh, and when somebody intercedes, they can possibly obtain mercy on that person's behalf. Now you remember in Ezekiel when we read it, the Lord said, if you'd have prayed, I would have not destroyed the land, right? Uh, so he, he was desiring somebody to to ask for mercy for the land. Uh, in this case, Moses and Aaron, uh, actually, you know, if you read it carefully, they didn't actually ask for mercy for Korah. <laughs> Shall one man sin? <laughs> so, you know, you got to be careful. I mean, you got Moses riled up. He is now no longer interceding for Korah, but he is interceding for mercy for the rest of the congregation, right? For the rest of the nation of Israel. And the Lord said, well, I'll be willing to grant most of the nation of Israel except for uh, three guys here, right? Um, you've got uh, Korah, uh, Dathan, and Abiram. Now, in the New Testament, you know, again, is the Lord any less displeased with this type of action of Korah in the New Testament than he was in the Old Testament? No, he's very displeased with it because he's the Lord, right? If he didn't like it in the Old Testament, he's still not going to like it in the New Testament. But in the New Testament, fortunately, the blood of the Lord Jesus has died for all the sins of the world, including those in the church, right? So, you know, the, it, it just, it takes more effort to, uh, to die in sin in the New Testament as a Christian than it does in the Old Testament. Uh, that doesn't mean people aren't successful doing that every day, right? People die of their sin in the New, Te New Testament every day. Uh, but it is more difficult because of the blood of the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, and so... Sometimes we think, well, I, you know, I did that and no lightning struck me, so I must have got away with it. 
well, you've got to be careful because that's not always true, right? In fact, you never get away with it, but if you did ask for forgiveness, it is available to you. Uh, and so in this case, uh, so the point of that discussion was there's no law, right? There's no law that says if you usurp authority in the New Testament, you're going to die just like these guys did. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to say at all. The point of this discussion is to look at uh, how intercession delayed and kept judgment from falling because intercession in the New Testament can still delay and keep judgment from falling. Amen? Because judgment always has to take place for their sin uh, and how that operates in the New Testament is, is um, slightly different because of the blood of Jesus. But uh, the Lord said, uh, step away from these three guys. And so Moses rode up and went to Dathan and Abiram and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, said, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. So now he's talking about these three men, right? These wicked men. And touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the congregation. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side. So all of their support left them, right? Uh, why? Because they all know when the Lord speaks to Moses, the Lord does whatever he says to Moses, right? And whatever Moses said to the Lord, you know, they know. Uh, they were still hoping that they could kind of sneak in and, and override Moses. But at this point, they realized, hey, we've been down this road before. Well, we need to do what Moses said, even though five seconds later they forget about it. But they still, you know, on occasion they do yield to him. And so uh, they said in, uh, that they left him on every side in Dathan, and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. For I have, done, I have not done them of mine own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, in other words, if they die of old age or sickness and disease or whatever, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then, let, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them. And they go down quick into the pit. Then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. So, so now Moses is, is uh, in his role here. He is defining how these men will end their life. Uh, and if you remember, Paul did that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, right? Uh, Peter did that in Acts chapter 5. Uh, and so it can be done in the New Testament, but it should be after much long suffering in the New Testament. Uh, and and it's, it's more rare in the New Testament because of that. Uh, so the, so uh, Moses is wanting the people to know, look, if they just died because they tripped and fell or something, then you, you can't really, you know, you'd be looking and go, well, they could have died just by accident, right? I mean, we don't know that that was the Lord doing anything, you know? And so Moses saying, look, just to make sure that you understand. If something really unusual happens to these guys, then that's got to be the Lord, right? We all agree on that. And, you know, they're all like, yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, and it, so it says in verse 31, and it came to pass as he made an end of speaking all these words. So the very moment he stopped speaking, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertain unto Korah, and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, lest the earth swallow up us also. Uh, and so, uh, and then right after that, 
verse 35, And there came out a fire from the Lord that consumed the 250 men that offered incense. So all the guys, all the important people that, that followed Korah, you know, uh, you know your, your position in the earth, uh, your name and your rank and your income and your, your, your uh, whatever position you hold in society, none of that impresses the Lord. Right? If you're a prince, he's not really impressed at all. The Lord's not impressed with, with royalty. He's not impressed with, with billionaires and millionaires. He's not impressed with geniuses. He, he's just not impressed. You know, the Lord is impressed when you have a humble heart. He's impressed when, you know, uh, in fact, he said, remember in, in uh, Matthew 5, 8, that the, that the pure in heart shall see God. He never said that those with the biggest bank account will see him or those that uh, held the greatest position um, would see him. But the pure in heart shall see him, right? And I believe Moses had a, had a pure heart of anybody in the Old Testament there. Uh, and so, uh, so the 250 got swallowed up, right? It got burned up there, uh, there in verse 35. Uh, and so, uh, and of course, all the people ran away, right? Now, if you remember, the reason why only, so only 253 people died here, right? The 250 princes uh, and then Korah. And then uh, Dathan and Abiram, those are the only ones who died in the situation. Um, and and um, uh, the rest of them survived because of the intercession of Moses. So it does tell you one thing there about, about intercession. Sometimes intercession is limited, right? That sometimes you can pray and, and secure somebody's mercy, but sometimes you can't because of the very nature of, of intercession. And really... Um, uh, in this case, Moses didn't even attempt to uh, ask for mercy for Korah. Uh, and that may be because he was crossways with Korah and really, you know, wanted judgment on Korah. It may have been he knew that that, uh, that, that was just not going to happen, that the Lord was not going to provide mercy for Korah. Uh, and I know just in my own personal life that um, there's been a couple people the Lord has told me over the years to, uh, you will not pray for that person which is tough, right? That means that mercy was ended in that area for that person's life, right? Now, one of them ended up dying. The other one is still alive, uh, but I don't know where they are spiritually. Uh, but in that case, you know, then, then it's over, right? In that area, that's an area that unless they repent, you know, the person is still alive, I believe they always have an opportunity to repent, but the Lord will constrain you sometimes because, uh, you know, they've gone beyond. Remember, he said, I think it's in Hosea, he said, Leave Ephraim alone. He has joined himself to his idols. So there, there can be, you know, there can be a limit to these things, right? Uh, and so I know this is kind of a heavy uh, service, and we're not trying to have it heavy. You know, we, well, my, my goal is for you to, to understand the role that Moses played, right? Not so much to be afraid of being a Korah, because I don't think most people want to be a Korah. But you need to understand Moses' position as, as the intercessor you have the capacity to be that intercessor. You have the capacity to see someone in fault and error and, and uh, pray mercy on their behalf. Uh, and Moses was able to do that for the entire congregation of Israel minus 253 people, which is pretty good, right? Because they were all in sin. And the Lord said, I'll wipe them all out. And so he, that's pretty good, right? 253 out of a million or so, that's a pretty good percentage, right? That's 99.9%, I'm sure. Uh, so... Uh, but there was 253 that were unable to obtain mercy on their behalf. Uh, and so, and we know that, you know, 1 John uh, chapter 5 says, you know, if you see your brother in a fault, 
you know, pray for him in order to restore him uh, unless he sinned the sin of the death. And I do not say that you should pray for it. So there is a, a sin that you can go beyond the mercy of the Lord. And, and even John said, you can't, you can't pray that one out. Um, and so where is that line? The line is wherever the Lord sets the line, right? And my approach has always been, Lord, unless you tell me, I'm going to still ask for mercy on this person to the last breath of my, um, that I breathe on this earth. Uh, because I do not want that person to suffer the consequences of their sin that they've committed. I want you to extend mercy on their behalf. Uh, and uh, even if they're undeserving of it, because but that's the whole intention of mercy is, mercy is for the guilty, right? It's not for the innocent. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not their judge. I'm not, the, I'm not the one who decides that they're unworthy to receive mercy. Uh, my job is to always extend mercy if it's at all possible. And that's your job as the intercessor, right, is to intercede, stand in between uh, the judgment of the Lord and, and the guilty party, right? No innocent people need intercession unless, you know, like we talked about with Brother Tony, that uh, he's in a coma and is unable to pray on his behalf. But uh, when you talk about intercession for the, for the purpose of, extending mercy for somebody uh, then uh, you do that so that judgment doesn't fall upon their guilty uh, and so uh, so the the fire came and consumed them and Moses and the Lord spake unto Moses again in verse uh, 36 saying speak unto Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest that he take up the censers out of the uh, burning and scatter thou the fire yonder for they are hallowed the censers of these sinners against their own souls let them make them broad plates for a covering of the altar, for they offered them before the Lord. Therefore, they are hallowed, and there shall be a sign unto the children of Israel. So, so all the censers that the guys took, right, to kind of burn in to show how spiritual they were, the Lord said, make them a mark to let everybody remember, hey, the guys own these things. They're not around anymore. They all got eaten by the earth. You don't want to get eaten by the earth. Uh, and it says he, he, took, he took the brazen censers wherewith they had made them uh, that were burnt uh, had offered and they were made broad plates for a covering of the altar to be a memorial unto the children of Israel that no stranger which is not of the seed of Aaron come near to offer incense before the Lord that he be not as Korah and his company as the Lord said unto him by the hand of Moses so uh, you know the end of that part of it we've got one more part to look at was Aaron was uh, defined his family line right his generation was the line of the high priest everybody in the tribe of levi were priests that that worked the the all of the um offer all the offerings and, and the burnt offerings and those types of things but the high priest went into the holiest of holies every year and only the the children and the the family of aaron could do that by definition of the lord the lord designed that right the lord said that's the way it is and Korah's like well we want that well you can't have that if that's not your lane, that's, you can't have that. And, and there are so many people in the body of Christ that have gotten jealous because of somebody else's lane. Instead of being happy where they're at, they want somebody else's thing, right? And, uh, you know, Brother Hagin just tell the story about he'd travel a lot and people come to him and say, Brother Hagin, uh, let me know if there's any big churches come open because, you know, I want to pastor a big church, you know, and they're not even pastoring at all or maybe pastoring a tiny little church or something. And uh, and uh, he's like, "Are you doing that? It's not your role, right? If the Lord puts you there, then the Lord puts you there. But you know, I'm not putting you there." Uh, and so, so they did that, right? So now, in summary, uh, why did Korah die? Why did Korah and the 250 princes and the, and the other two guys? Why did they die? 
because they were in sin, right? They, they had usurped authority, tried to gain something that didn't belong to them, that the Lord had defined, and, and then came out against Moses and, you know, uh, uh, gossiped about him, spoke down about him, and, and accused him of all manner of evil that he hadn't done, and were just liars and cheats and thieves, right? Trying to steal things that didn't belong to him. And so they died because of their own sin. Now, that should be obvious, right? You read the story, and if you were there, that should be obvious, right? But was it obvious to everybody? You know, sometimes people just... Uh, uh, verse 41, uh, but on the morrow, so the very next day, so this is not weeks, months, years by, this is the very next day, right? So the earth just swallowed up the, these, uh, all these important people. And, you know, the, the people of, of Israel a lot of times saw Moses as a commoner instead of the prince of Egypt or the prince of Israel like he really was. But, um, but on the morrow, the very next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. Now, is that what happened? Did Moses have anything to do with it? In fact, they, don't, they, they may not have heard Moses intercede to keep them alive, right? The very people that are murmuring are alive because Moses interceded for them and allowed them to stay alive because of his kindness to intercede for them. And here they are immediately saying, it's all your fault. Now, they had, he stood up. Moses said, look, if they just die like anybody else, that's, that's you know, not the Lord. But if the Lord does something different and unique, then just then know that it's, that's the Lord, right? And, and so the Lord did that. Uh, and nobody can fake it. it. It was obvious it was the Lord. And it said the people were there because it said they scattered. So they were there. And the, the next day, why? Because, you know, uh, all these people were hoping to get... Uh, Korah, when, when you come into your kingdom, please remember me. You know, give me a position in your kingdom. You know, I'm going to be the door greeter in your kingdom. I'm going to be, you know, the driver of your kingdom. I'm going to have some great position in your kingdom. Uh, and there's no greater lie when the devil gets to, in people's minds and tell them, if you'll usurp authority, you'll be a king. Uh, and, and you'll be somebody important. It's never worked out. And yet, in the history of the church, that has gone, happened time and time again, where somebody will go and try to destroy, and sometimes they're successful in destroying a man or woman of God for their own personal benefit. Uh, and it, it's just, it's a shame that it happens, right? But it does happen. Uh, I mean, that's why the Lord wrote these things. You know, he's picked these particular stories for us to remember. Uh, and so they murmured against Moses, you have killed the people of, of God. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation and behold, the cloud covered and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, get you up from this congregation that I may consume them as in a moment. That sounds like what he said earlier, right? I mean, almost the exact same words that the Lord said earlier, leave them, I'm going to destroy them all. And did Moses say, go get them, Lord? Now, what did they do here? They fell upon their faces. See, this is, this is a man who is an intercessor, a man who can see the guilt of the, of the nation of Israel and know that left unchecked, the guilt will result in judgment. And, uh, and the guilt is against him, right? They're accusing him of killing these princes. And did he kill anybody? He had never heard a gnat's fly, a gnat's wing, right? Never heard anybody. From the time that, that he, he became the leader of Israel, never hurt anybody. Uh, and yet the, you killed him. And the Lord said, I'm going to wipe them all out right now. And so, you know, the heart of the intercessors, nay, Lord. Uh, you know, will, will the judge of the earth do, not do right? 
you know, remember what, uh, what Abraham said, right? Will the judge of all the earth do right? Uh, and so Moses and Aaron uh, fell on their face. Um, and Moses said unto Aaron, take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put it on incense and go quickly unto the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there's wrath gone out from the Lord and the plague is begun. Now, the Lord didn't even wait for Moses to respond this time. He just took his hand off the nation of Israel, let the death angel come and start sweeping through the, through the nation of Israel. And he was fine. He was fine wiping them all, wiping them all out. And Moses saw that. Moses saw that, uh, you know, before they were having a conversation, right? Moses said, Lord, you can't do this, you know. And, Mo, and the Lord said, okay, fine, you know. This time, the Lord said, I'm going to do it. And he just started. He just started the, the wiping out the people of Israel. The Lord, the plague has begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. And verse 48 is the ultimate role of the intercessor. That there is death that, that is coming to people's lives sometimes. That, that left unchecked, they will die because of their sin. And that's New Testament too, right? Remember, we got, we've got Ananias and Sapphira. We've got the man in, in uh, um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, right? Uh, and those are the two biggest examples, but we also see what, what John said in, in 1 John chapter 5. So these things do happen in, even in the New Testament and left unchecked, these people will die. If there's nobody that will stand between the living and the dead, they will die. And one of the greatest attributes of the intercessor is they have the ability to, to short-circuit the ultimate death that would come to somebody in their life. Well, and, and I say ultimate death, uh, I'm, I'm talking about physical death, right? The ultimate death is between them and the Lord, but physical death uh, can be stayed because of a person, of a human being can stand and say, no, Lord, death will not come past this. You, uh, but to stand in that role is pretty tough, right? I mean, you've got you to be willing to intercede in that, in that position, right? Uh, and so, uh, of course, Aaron was, was operating... Uh, at the behest of Moses in this case. But, uh, but just know that what, one of the great values of intercession is you have the ability to stand between the living and the dead. And, and if you are unwilling to intercede, then death may come and consume that person. Now, that's not everybody you intercede for, right? I mean, not, you know, we're not saying every single intercession would end in death if you don't intercede. Uh, but oftentimes there's judgment, right? Because, the, because one of the greatest purposes of intercession is to stay judgment. And so what would be the result of that judgment? Well, it could be physical death. It could be other things. But, um, but this one is, is a serious situation right here, right? So death had started. The plague was stayed. And they that died in the plague, verse 49, were 14,700 besides them that died with the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses and the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the plague was stayed. So there, there, is, uh, there is great power in the role of the intercessor. There's great ability to, to change the course and direction of people's lives, even. Uh, the lives of congregations, even, of churches, right? Uh, and, um, you know, there was a story that Brother Randy talked about that, uh, that uh, this pastor had invited him to come speak at his church. And the congregation was divided. They were kind of a, uh, I think they had started as a denominational church. And, you know, some of them got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so there was a desire for the Spirit of God to move in the church. But, but you know, you've always got, 
you know, some dead weight in the church, and, and the, the dead weight was enough to make a noise, and so the pastor said, hey, Brother Randy, can you come help us? Uh, and Brother Randy came and spoke to him, and, and he said, man, it was tough. It was tough preaching because you had one group just sitting like this all the whole time, you know, we don't like this Holy Ghost stuff, you know, one people just begging him to, to go on. Uh, and, but right in the middle of, of all these services, he spoke by the, by the Lord and said, if this is your last night, Thus saith the Lord, this is your last night. If you, if you don't change and get on the bus, this church will come to an end. And uh, did they change? No. It came to an end, right? And, and um, you know, he tried to intercede on their behalf. Uh, I, I remember years ago when I was in college, uh, we had an organization. It was a Christian organization. It wasn't a Pentecostal organization. It was a Christian organization, good people. And, and I was on a leadership team, and I would... Uh, I would run the, they had weekly meetings and I would run the weekly meetings. Uh, and along, along with that though, because people were interested and I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, I spoke with other tongues. Uh, we, we had this little secret group over here, right? That, that spoke with tongues. And so we would invite people to our secret group, right? Because it had to be secret because, you know, uh, people are crazy and they don't like, you know, God moving or anything like that. You know, heaven forbid God would actually do things. And, uh, and so... Um, so, but we would do this separate from the group, right? We, it was just kind of our thing, and we called ourselves the Crusaders, and, you know, when we would send out secret notes, and, you know, we were college age, you know, so you've you got to excuse some of the silliness about all that, but still, our goal was to help people receive the Holy Spirit, and, and, and we prayed for lots of people, right? In fact, Tony, remember, Tony was, Tony was one of our guys, right? We prayed for Tony. He got slain in the Spirit, you know, there, and, and um, you know, we had a, we had a good time, uh, and, and that group, that was the largest organization on campus right i mean it, it was hundreds over 100 people were involved in that group and it was great it was really doing well and god was moving and people were being blessed and and people get involved and, and the president of the organization came to me and said you've got to stop this you can't be you know advancing your doctrine of tongues among us <laughs> like can you get a recording of this and play yourself back and listen to what you're saying? Thou shalt not have God. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and that's coming from the leadership, right? This Christian organization, right? This wasn't a fraternity. This was a Christian organization. We, we prayed. We, you know, did things. We went out witnessing. And, but heaven forbid we could speak in tongues, right? Uh, and so you've got to stop that. And the Spirit of God rose up. Now, this is just me and the president. We were talking. And I said, look, I said, God moves where people allow him to move. I said, if people stop allowing them to move, he will move. He will go somewhere else. And I was speaking by, by sudden inspiration, by the Lord. And, of course, they're like, right over here. Um, that organization does not exist on campus anymore. It's gone. Why? Because the Lord's like, if you want, I will go somewhere else. And he did. He'll just go somewhere else. And, and he will do that, you know, uh, time and time again, right? Uh, and, and so... Uh, <clears throat> Well, you know, we won't tell that story there. But um, <clears throat> uh, so uh, th this is the the uh, uh, the power that you have as an intercessor. Now, now, this is a grave responsibility, right? This is a big thing. This is not something you just kind of well, Lord, you know, don't uh, please don't eat them or anything like that. This is be where you have to. Uh, what did they? What did Moses and Aaron do? In both cases, they fell on their face. This is where you know you have to have the great desire of Lord. You have to have mercy on these people. And lots of times, remember what Paul said, that sometimes that the Spirit helps your infirmities, right? Your inability to pray with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
inarticulate speech. Sometimes there's a great passion that comes up in the intercessor. Lord, this, you have to have mercy. And sometimes the Lord, you know, uh, uh, well, I don't have to have mercy on them. You know, then you've got to make your case, right? Moses made his case. Every time Moses would make his case. Uh, in fact, let's, let, we're in Numbers uh, 16. Go back over just a couple chapters, chapter 12. Uh, so here we are in verse 1. It says, And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of, that, because of the Ethiopian woman he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Well, what was the problem with the Ethiopian woman? It's two things. One, she wasn't Israelite. Number two, she was black, right? She was a black woman, and, and Moses was olive skin, and uh, we can't have this interracial stuff going on. Well, heaven forbid, you know, people marry people that love God, right? Um, regardless of what color they are. Uh, and, they, and they said, Moses, Miriam and Aaron said, uh, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the, the uh, five scariest words, I think, in this entire story, and the Lord heard it. Those are scary words right there. The Lord heard them bragging that the Lord speaks to them. The Lord heard it. <laughs> you think the Lord's ever heard anything else ever said? <laughs> he, see, he hears a lot of things, right? Yeah, and verse 3 sums up the life of Moses. Now, Mo, now, the, now, the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were on the earth. You know, meek is a quiet spirit, right? There's nobody else that, that had the same meekness. And, of course, meekness is the fruit of the spirit, and it breeds humility. That there was nobody more meek and more humble than Moses. Nobody. He's a leader. See, a leader can be meek, right, and still be a leader. They don't have to be, you know, meek doesn't mean you know, uh, uh, jelly spine and just whatever, you know, Moses is very, you know, you know, very stern, right? He, he was a great leader, but he was also very meek. So he had no, no designs on power and authority. Uh, he was there because the Lord asked him to. And the Lord, verse 4, and the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. That'd make you really nervous, right? <laughs> of course, they may be thinking, the Lord's finally going to recognize our position. The Lord's finally going to say, Moses, Miriam, and Aaron, they're, they're just equivalent to you. You know, you need, to, you need to give them more authority. You know, don't be acting like you're all, the man in charge, right? Sitting around writing the Bible all day long like you're important. Um, you know, uh, let them know how important they are. You reckon they were thinking that? They might have, right? And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. Here's our shot, right? Lord's going to recognize us for who we are. Finally get recognition, right? We are somebody. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet, if there be a prophet among you. <laughs> they just said, the Lord speaks to us. If there be a prophet among you, uh, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth. I see, a prophet will see things in visions and dreams, but Moses was above a prophet. Moses, the Lord said, I speak to him mouth to mouth, face to face, right? Uh, even apparently and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? That's a great question right there. That question would save so many people's lives if they would read that question right. Now, see, it doesn't make me a Moses, right? Because, but but 
that same question, whether it's the pastor or, you know, uh, like Joel Osteen, right? I mean, you ever hear people say bad things about Joel Osteen? What about Kenneth Copeland? I can't believe he drives, flies an airplane, right? Were you not afraid to speak against my servant, anybody? See, if they're the servants of the Lord, are you not afraid to speak against the servant of the Lord? Because he said, my servant Moses, he didn't say the great prophet, the great apostle, the great leader of Israel. He said, my servant. So you've got to be really careful about speaking against the servants of God. You know, uh, people speak against, I mean, if you go on the internet, people say the worst things about Brother Hagin. I mean, the worst, like, you know, uh, in fact, one person said, he, you know, he's a horrible person because all these people that come out of Ramah are all just money grubbers. Well, number one, it's not true. Number two, even if they all were, he never was. So why are you making him guilty because of what people do, right? It's not, it's, that's like saying any bad Christian is Jesus' fault because we're all, aren't we all Christian? Did we come from Jesus? And, and so if you're a bad Christian, well, then Jesus is a bad God. I mean, that's the same kind of, you know, well, why is it Jesus' fault if you make bad decisions, right? Uh, and so were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Just... You know, that's not the last thing you want to hear the Lord before he leaves, right? Because next thing you gotta start looking for the earth opening up. And you got to be really careful at that point in time, right? And the cloud had departed off from the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. The Bible likes to repeat itself many times, doesn't it? In certain ways, I like how it does that. Uh, and so, uh, and Aaron said unto Moses, now see, Aaron was the high priest uh, at this point in time. And that's the only thing I can really understand why maybe Aaron wasn't judged like Miriam was. You know, Miriam really didn't have a role. I mean, she was just the sister, right? She wasn't the high priest. You know, she didn't have any leadership, official leadership position. She was the sister of Moses. But, uh, and, and Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord. Now, that's a different song than he was singing from verse 1. Now, now he's my Lord before he was my equal, right? Uh, I'm just as good as Moses, you know. And the Lord, uh, now, was Moses better than Aaron? No, he was just Moses, right? He was the meekest man of the earth. He was Moses because the Lord put him in the position of being Moses. Uh, now, you know, now, now Aaron's all, hey, my Lord, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, he said, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. Now, um, that's pretty big of Aaron. Now, what is Aaron doing? He's interceding on behalf of him and Miriam. Number one, he's repenting. Number two, he's interceding. Uh, and, and maybe the Lord gave him credit for what he would do because Miriam never said nothing. <clears throat> she never repented. <clears throat> and, um, you know, there's a lot of people who will die on this earth having never repented of these types of sins. And when they stand before the Lord Jesus, he, he, he'll say, well, you should have dealt with it on the earth, but we're going to deal with it now. Um, and those will not be com comfortable conversations, but <clears throat> he will deal with it, won't he? Um, and, and he said, uh, wherein we have sinned, let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And so, so now Aaron is interceding to Moses on behalf of Miriam. Now, this is Old Testament, right? We don't have to go to Moses and, and intercede on behalf of other people, right? We, we are direct children of God. We go directly to the Lord, right? So you've got to be careful of not taking these things to the, to the well, we've got to go we're going to go intercede to the pastor so that he will pray for somebody else. You know, unless the Lord really told you to do something like that, it would be unusual to do anything like that, right? Because we have the capacity 
as children of the Most High God right now to, to intercede uh, directly to the Lord. But this is the story here, right? So uh, verse 13, And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O Lord, I beseech thee. And so the Lord, the, Moses is making now, did the Lord, did, did Moses, and here's one thing to learn uh, about intercession is, did Moses make any excuses for, for Miriam? Did he say, well, she's having a bad day, or Lord, she's been so helpful to me all this time. Lord, she's really a good sister. Lord, she helped me, you know, uh, care for me when I was a baby. You know, you've got to be nice to her. Did he try to build her up with the Lord? No, you don't have to build people up with the Lord and try to justify, you know, well, she was having a bad day. You know, she was hungry and tired. You know, you don't have to explain away their sin. You don't have to get them to earn their mercy either. Uh, he, you can just ask, Lord, I'm asking you to have mercy on them. Uh, and, and so the Lord said unto Moses, if her father had but spit in her face. Now, there was a law. If your father spits in your face, which is a pretty specific law, right? Uh, should she not be ashamed seven days? Uh, let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that, let her be received in again. And Moses and Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed till, not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterwards, the people were moved from Hezeroth and pitched in the wilderness. Uh, and so after seven days, she came clean, right? So now in this case, the Lord, uh, Moses asked for mercy, and the Lord said, this is how far I'm willing to go. Seven days she's going to be with this, and after that I'll, I'll, I'll heal her, but um, seven days. So that, see, that was how far mercy could extend. Mercy couldn't extend all the way to zero days, but the Lord was willing to, to extend it after seven days of this plague in her life. And that's, that's, the, that's what you get sometimes when you ask for mercy, right? That the Lord's willing to go so far, and, and Moses didn't push it, right? Sometimes, you remember with Abraham, he pushed it, right? And other times Moses did push it, but in this case... Moses was, was willing to take the offer that the Lord gave to him was seven days, uh, and that's it. And, and that's the, still the case today, right? There's sometimes the Lord will say, well, this is what's going to happen. You know, you can go this far, but that's as far as I'm willing to go. And, and in that, you know, you see the relationship that Moses had with the Lord, that there was, there was, two, it was a two-way conversation. There was some negotiating going on. Uh, there, there was no justification of Miriam and her sin, there was no trying to explain it away or no trying to earn her mercy. He, it was because, because Moses asked, the Lord did it. And that's why the Lord will have mercy when you ask, because you ask. If you're willing to ask uh, and you do it with the right heart, the right passion, the right desire, the Lord will move on your behalf and maybe save somebody's life. You know, now, Moses, Miriam wasn't going to die of leprosy. You know, I mean, it, it eventually would have over the many years, but she wasn't going to die immediately for a leprosy. But it would have been a horrible life to live, right? And she'd have been an outcast in, in uh, the nation of Israel. And so the, the, uh, the Lord uh, moved because a man asked him to move. Uh, and so that's the great power of intercession is because you ask, the Lord is willing to, uh, to move only because you ask. And that goes along with Ezekiel, right? Where, where the Lord looked for an intercession and he found none, right? Uh, he was looking for somebody to ask. And so somebody asked, right? And, and now it's interesting because in this case, uh, what happened uh, to the entire nation of Israel while, while Miriam was uh, with leprosy? Where were they going? Well, they weren't going anywhere, right? For seven days, where did they go? Nowhere. So Miriam's sin stopped the entire congregation of Israel from moving forward. 
And sometimes people's sins will cause an entire church to stop moving, right? The church cannot move forward until that sin is dealt with. Um, and so, the, you know, there's a lot to learn from these things. And they're kind of heavy because uh, part of intercession is it can be very heavy. Uh, intercession can be a very intense prayer that you have to be willing to pray. And it, this is not something you would, you know, you pray over lunchtime or anything like that. This is where you're on your face, right? How many times do you say Moses and Aaron fell on their face? Moses and Aaron fell on their face. There are times, there are plenty of times when I laid on my face and prayed to the Lord for things to happen, right? Things to change, things to be averted. Um, and um, uh, hopefully, you know, we have, we have success in that area, right? Uh, because um, you have a lot more power probably than you realize to change the course and direction of people's lives around you, the church, right? Your church here, this church, uh, and even the nation, right? Our city and county. Remember, we prayed the other day against uh, corruption in public positions, right? Uh, we prayed against the spirit of of uh, uh, drug addiction in this county, right, in this, in this area. And I expect to see some changes in these areas because we interceded, right? We stood in the gap. Those things have to be judged. They are not being judged. Uh, they are nobody's repenting about those things. So we're gonna, we stood in the gap. And we said, Lord, you, you know, uh, we ask you to deal with it. And we ask you, first of all, to deal with it with mercy. Uh, and so, and that was part of the intercession, right? So uh, that makes sense, all that, you know, uh, I think mo to, from my perspective, Moses is the greatest example of an intercessor because, number one, he always, uh, except for a little bit of the Korah, <laughs> he always uh, uh, strove for mercy, right, for everybody, regardless of, of what they did. I mean, Miriam and Aaron, his, I mean, this is the closest people to Moses, right, the very closest people talking bad about Moses. Now, and Moses was the meekest man ever, right, the most, mo meekest person, you got to kick him in the head. Isn't that mean? It's just mean-spirited, right? But see, pride will always do that. Arrogance will always do that. It'll cause you to treat the best person in the worst possible way. Uh, and, and I've seen it time and time again. People treat, you know, uh, Lester Summerall that way and treat Smith Wigglesworth that way and treat Brother Hagen that way. And Brother Hagen probably walked in love more than any person I've ever known uh, I didn't know him personally, but bro Brother Randy knew him very well personally. And he, he can attest that he probably walked in love more than anybody we've ever known uh, and read after. And, and yet people treated him with such contempt. Uh, and he was a very meek person, very mild-mannered person. Uh, and I was reading about Catherine Coleman. Uh, she was a very meek person. And she would say, you know, I'm just a nobody. And, but she was sincere, right? Some people said they fake it, right? But she was very sincere. I'm just a nobody. But if you read after the, the people who dislike, they'll, they'll write the worst things about her. She was devilish and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, uh, and, and, you know uh, no doubt, she, I'm sure she had some problems somewhere, but, but uh, the Lord used her in mighty ways, right? Spectacular ways uh, because she was such a, 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 a kind-hearted, meek person, right? Uh, and so just know that uh, we have great power uh, in intercession. Amen. Uh, and I would encourage you to allow the Lord to use you in intercession. Because remember, he's looking for people to do that. So uh, he's desiring for people to do that. So number one, you have to be willing to see faults for what they are and desire mercy for those faults, right? Uh, and, and not excuse them away, not, you know, well, Lord, that's not really the thing. You know, they didn't really mean to. <clears throat> There's no negotiating like that ever with Moses. He just said, Lord, I'm asking you for mercy because they're guilty, right? I'm asking for mercy. So we can do that, though, can't we, right? And so, 
And you'll see uh, in, your own, in your own life and the lives of people around you, you will see a, an advancement in spiritual things if you're willing to allow yourself to be used in the area of intercession. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the examples that you gave us in the area of intercession, especially the great examples of Moses, Father, and what he did on behalf of the people, Father. So many times averted uh, disaster and destruction by desiring you to extend mercy to the guilty. And so, Father, we, we thank you. That's one way, not the only way that intercession is used, but it is a, an important way, Father. And so, Lord, we do ask you to show us where we can be used as intercessors. And, Father, we also do right now intercede on behalf of Tony Marable. Father, we stand in the gap because he's unable to pray for himself. So we do stand, Father. And just as if he was praying, Father, uh, we pray like he would pray, that he is the healed of God, that your life in him, Father, the very Zoe life of God quickens his mortal body and causes his flesh to rise up strong and healthy, Father, and to override uh, this virus, Father, and this pneumonia that's causing his body to be sick. So, Father, we curse that very pneumonia that's in his lungs. We, we command it to leave him in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that he is the healed of God, strong and healthy, Father, and he shall live and not die, Father, and declare the works of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for that. We pray, Father, because he cannot pray. We intercede, Father, because he is unable to intercede on his own behalf. And, Father, we thank you that you hear us. You hear our prayers because it's your will to heal. And because of that, Father, we thank you that we do have the petitions whereof we ask. And, Father, when he rises up, you will get all the glory. And we'll thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And, um, you know, th to me, this is one of the best uh, topics to learn in the Word of God because it's an area that, uh, we're, you know, as a general rule, um, and you can come ahead, Miss Chris, as a general rule, you know, the church stays so carnal and so natural that we don't really get involved in really deep spiritual things. But intercession is one of the deepest spiritual things that you can get involved with because it goes to the very heart of God and, and uh, the, the conflict that's there between sin and righteousness, uh, those are big things, right? Those are big things to, to, uh, to talk about and deal with. Uh, and uh, Jesus has paid a great price. And, and the other thing, you know, that you can do, because we live in the New Testament, you know, when you're interceding for somebody, you can say, Lord, it ain't got nothing to do with them, but what Jesus did. Jesus died for that person. You know he did. You know every drop of blood he shed, he shed for that sin. That they, You know they committed that sin, but the blood of Jesus has covered that. You know that, right, Lord? And so we ask you for mercy. So you can name drop Jesus when you're interceding in the New Testament, right? Moses didn't get anybody, he didn't have anybody name drop, right? But we do have the name of Jesus, and we can intercede on behalf of the, 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 the Lord Jesus, amen? Uh, and so, well, praise God, be blessed, have a wonderful week of the Lord, and ladies, you'll be here Saturday, right? The rest of you all will see you on Sunday.